from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. What are the key national security threats the U.S. faces? You have your big four, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, all the challenges that they present, um, and some of the newer things that um, have have really risen in the last in the last few years, things like counterintelligence. Deirdre Walsh is the chief operating officer in the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. We know there are lots of secret things going on that they can't talk about, but the fact that they're secret and are so important is what drives her. There are things that the IC has been in the forefront of that are truly eye-watering, and being able to be part of that community is honestly what gets me out of bed in the morning. And those mornings start early, and they turn into days that last very long. And it doesn't stop there. A phone call in the middle of the night is never welcome. But living in the times we live in, they may be happening more frequently. The U.S. intelligence community. What are the challenges? What are the threats? How are they approaching them? Deirdre Walsh talks about it. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Every day, Deidre Walsh, Chief Operating Officer in the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, hits the ground running, literally. Out the door, try and get some exercise as much as I can to get the cobwebs out. And in the office, between 7 and 8. And being the number three official at the ODNI, a clear head is important because... You have your big four, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. The common denominator? Nukes, malware, and bots. Many of these are hardy perennials. They're the kinds of things that come back every year. But this year, 2020, they're especially difficult. And at the end of every day... Our role is to make sure that intelligence is there. And that role, to make sure the intelligence is there, is not a 9 to 5 under any circumstances. And on this program, Deirdre Walsh will talk about the threats, those behind the threats, the challenges, and how they're dealing with them. So it was quite fitting to start our interview with the start of each day for Deirdre Walsh. So what does a typical day look like for you? When does it start? What happens? Um, I'm a bit of an early bird. Well, I've, I've been I've been retrained as an early bird. Um, I wasn't when I was <laughs> when I was younger, but um, I um, out the door. I try and get some exercise as much as I can to um, kind of get the cobwebs out. And then um, in the office, you know, between seven and eight. And then there are days where the days tend to be longer um, because it's a lot of meetings. And I think as most people, um, one of the things as a um, as you um, elevate in your career, I've found that um, the number of meetings just tends to um, multiply exponentially <laughs> regardless of your uh, your preference. So um, I spend a lot of time engaging with our internal to the to the office um, and with the director himself and um, and all of our team, my team. Mm-hmm. 
the, with specifically within the COO's office. Um, they do a great job of kind of of keeping everything moving as such, but um, but really working across on some of these big issues that are facing the community. So mm-hmm. um, the ODNI is made up of a lot of piece parts. We have um, four national centers as well as um, our four directorates. So um, I manage the engagement of the, of our leadership team, making sure they're all um, talking to each other, deconflicting and um, and um, and ensuring the best possible options for for the DNI's decision making. Talking about some of those big issues, mm-hmm. what are they? What are the big ones facing the community now, especially the DNI? So one of the things that we've focused on is um, the DNI's unique value in having a cross community look at um, these key issues, what we call initiatives. Um, one of the in in our past, uh, the DNI, our goal has always been, and you'll see in all of our um, on our our website and our mission and vision is the word integration, and that is that is the lifeblood of what we do. It's the DNI's job to bring together the community bring together information, present the best intelligence picture that we can to our policymakers. Um, how we do that um, was kind of where we were born from in these last uh, um, five or six years of the ODNI. It was in the in the last 18 months or so that we've gone through what we called um, internally our transformation, but that was, that was really a, a reset of what it was that we wanted to focus on and take on some of those big issues that are plaguing the entire community. So things like artificial intelligence and machine learning, things like um, building the workforce of the future for the IC, um, something that we call the right trusted agile workforce, um, because we have to make sure that we are we are, um, are not only re- attracting and retaining the talent of the future, but how can we make sure that they can move around in a way that makes sense for our mission. Um, things like big data management, um, that is, it, it's a hairy problem that all of our agencies uh, face. Um, why? Well, sorry for interrupting, but why is big data management such a problem? Well, so the IC has been blessed with some of the best collection capabilities there are in the world. Oh. And with that comes a lot of data. And so whichever form that comes in, we, we've got to be able to make sense of it and look through it and, um, and do it quickly and effectively. So um, while the old days of, you know, um, one photo or one intercept being all that you've gotten um, are long gone and where it's overwhelming for our analysts. So we've had to look to things like AI and machine learning to help us synthesize those big data sets. Um, and that's not just that's not just one agency's problem. That's the community's problem. So um, that's one of the things where the DNI has a unique role and perspective to not take the entire um, problem in-house, just provide some coordination, some sense-making, some integration with the community and say, if we can solve a problem once, instead of solving it four, five, six, or potentially 17 times for the number of, <laughs> of agencies wow. that are in the IC, then all the better for it. So um, that's just an example of one of the things that we've been trying to take on in this past. And big data and AI and the workforce of the future, all this stuff is stuff that happens before nine o'clock, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you have to get down to the business of what you're doing, you, what you're there for mm-hmm. are these threats mm-hmm. that face the U.S. and the, and the ODNI. Right. So give us a sense of what some of those are. So I think um, you're, you'll, I'm going to steal a phrase from a, um, a former boss of mine and say many of these are hardy perennials. They're the kinds of things that come back every year, right? <laughs> so um, the, um, 
you have your big four, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, all the challenges that they present um, and some of the newer things that um, have have really risen in the last in the last few years. Things like counterintelligence are the broader challenges that are faced by our counterintelligence. We just released our new counterintelligence strategy from our um, one of our national centers that's resident inside of the ODNI, the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. And um, that highlighted some of these um, broader threats from Russia and elsewhere. So those are just, you know, the whether it's the nuclear capabilities in North Korea, whether it's, um, you know, Russian um, intentions and and the Chinese kind of their their movements in the economic space. Those are things that we're we're watching every day, along with with the community and and um, and leveraging their their goodness and all of the work that they're doing to make sure that the DNI has um, the best awareness to give to our our leadership. Looking at those elements that you've mentioned, I know you've heard this question, what keeps you up at night, but I'm not going to ask you that one. Thank you. What I'm going to ask you <laughs> is what gets you out of bed mm-hmm. at night, you know, because there are things that can make you lose sleep, but yeah. then there are things that mean, okay, I have to go in. I have to actually do something. Yeah. What is it? What are they? I think it's our people. Um, for me, I should say, I couldn't say, I think it, for me, it's our people. The people of the ODNI and and greater across the um, people of the IC are some of the most amazing people you'll ever come across. They're very they're the most dedicated, selfless, and um, really tremendous patriots that work um, day and night. Many of them um, you'll never know their name. Many of them. Um, you may not even know they, many of them, they may, some of their families may not even know what they do, but, um, but they are taking on some of the biggest challenges that we're faced with. And, um, and some of the ingenuity, um, aside from those who are just kind of doing the operational pieces, there's those who are building the capabilities of the future, um, whether it's in the computer space, whether it's in, um, um, the satellite area, whether it's in, um, technological advancements. Um, there are things that the IC has um, been in the forefront of that are truly eye-watering. And um, being able to be part of that community is honestly what gets me out of bed in the morning, whether regardless of my role and being able to present and, and to represent such talents, um, whether it's for the ODNI or even for the community is is just a, it's it's an honor for me. Now, let me ask one other, another question, because I think maybe I didn't ask my question correctly, but you did answer. Okay. That was a great answer for that question. Uh, the question I was trying to get at was, what would make you get up out of your sleep, out of the bed, in the middle of the night? <laughs> and so, not to what, not what, what, what keeps you awake, but what would make you actually get out of bed because you actually have to take some action? Well, I think like anyone, um, a phone call in the middle of the night is never a welcome. <laughs> it's never welcome. I think any parent or anyone would agree with me that um, when the phone rings, anytime you're not expecting it, it's, it's never it's never good. And does it? Um, I, uh, every now and again, yes. Um, I've had um, I've had previous positions where it rang a lot more. Um, so I'm not going to say that I'm uncomplaining about um, the the additional hours of sleep or minutes of sleep that I would get. But I think um, generally it's a um, we, we get around the horn and kind of figure out what's the best step to what are the best steps to take. 
oftentimes in our world, though, that that means you got to go somewhere. You got to go to the office. You got to go to a place where you can have a conversation about this appropriately. So, yeah. So sometimes it's um, it's a little bit of a scramble, but um, Mm -hmm. gratefully, not as much lately. Well, thank you. And thanks. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. And, and, And thankfully that there hasn't been that need. Back to the the big four. Um, you know, one of the things that appears to be happening more often is aggression from either the Russians or the Chinese or the North Koreans or Iran. Just yesterday, Space Command said, listen, Russia, um, you're turning space into a war zone, essentially a, a war fighting domain. And I know that you have a lot of assets in space. Mm -hmm. The intelligence community has assets in space. And so do you ever get the chance to communicate? Does your team ever get the chance to communicate to the big four? Hey, you're doing this. We need you to do something different. We need you to act a little differently. If you do, how do you do that? So intelligence is always used as a whole of government effort to communicate, whether it's with our adversaries, whether it's um, whether it's through um, the State Department or the military, um, intelligence is a key part, key part of all of those conversations. Um, and so we know that our role is to make sure that we provide the latest and most uh, relevant information to any of those engagements, whether they at, at whatever level they happen. Um, the director will often will engage with their counterparts from around the world, certainly with our allies, um, with our um, Five Eyes partners. Um, they they have regular engagements and open communication with them as well. So, however the um, however the engagement takes place, the intelligence will be used. Our role is to make sure that intelligence is there to support and um, and clarify whatever it is that whatever the goal is that a, a particular engagement is designed to um, to reach. And forgive me if I'm asking a question that you cannot or should not or don't want to answer. But have you been having to have more of these conversations in the last little bit, maybe last year or two, because of some of the activities that the Russians have been engaging in or the Chinese or the Iranians or the North Koreans? Because it seems as though just as person, just as a person who covers this every day, that there seems to be more information about some kind of inappropriate behavior, whether it's in a war zone, whether it's you know, economic espionage, whether it's whether, you know, whether it's in the military space or the intelligence space. Do you sense that there are more of these conversations having to have to take place? Oh, I can't comment on the um, just how many or, or whatnot. But what I will say is conversations like this happen and have been happening um, for as long as we've been a part of the policymaking, national security, foreign policy um infrastructure. So um, in the past, it might be that we didn't know as much about them, but um, there have always been conversations between um, adversaries and allies alike to make sure that um, our foreign policy is is being um, achieved. And so making sure that they understand what you mean and what what your points are. Right. And how uh, and the intelligence community's role is is generally in a supporting um, in a supporting role. We've talked a little bit about this. I know we can't talk sources and methods. That's just the given. But (laughs) I'll ask this question, and if you're able to answer it in a peripheral way or in any way, please do. How does ODNI deal with these threats? 
that we've talked about, because you've got a very diverse array of tools, mm-hmm. um, and I'm wondering how you maximize those tools. I know in your role, that's that is your goal to make sure that you maximize mm-hmm. everything you have to make sure that your mission is accomplished. Mm-hmm. How do you maximize those tools? So our role is to leverage all the good tools and the talent that the community brings to bear on any one issue. Um, the ODNI in itself is a very small element um, from the time we've we were in uh, from our inception to where we are now. We've we've grown only slightly, but that was as a how big is your team? I guess um, I can't exactly give you a hard number, but um, it's not as large as many would um, would make it out to be. I know there's been a lot. There was a lot of talk at one point about it, this being a very large and heavy bureaucracy, but I think when you consider that the ODNI is also the home to um, four national centers. And um, the traditional staff work is is pretty lean. Um, so that's something because of that, what we do is we leverage what the community brings to bear on any one issue. So for us, it may not necessarily be that the the ODNI is is the is the IC's representative of these issues, but it's us bringing it together through whether it be our national intelligence managers or through one of our centers to say, here's what the community's um, position is or here's what the community's take is on this on problem X. Mm-hmm. Problems have to be dealt with with the appropriate tools. Um, obviously, you know that. And not to minimize people to uh, the position or the point of being a tool, but diversity is clearly something that has to be a part of the equation. I can remember um, probably about 15 years ago, which is when I started in this space. Mm-hmm. Around the same time, I think you got into yes. this space. Yes. I remember talking with uh, an executive from the CIA who told me, we have to look more like what we need to do or to work on the places, That's the right. issues, the people, et cetera. Give me your sense of how diversity works. I mean, obviously, you and your role are a perfect example of how diversity is working. Mm-hmm. But um, how, how, how would you assess it? I think community-wide, we've made um, we've made a strong investment, and um, we've really made strides in how we uh, do better outreach in terms of our diversity um, programs, but also how we are including that as part of the normal day-to-day work. And that we agree, we've got to be able to reflect more of, uh, or the IC needs to look a lot like um, not only where it operates, but but its home, which is the U.S. And there's a diversity of backgrounds. There's a diversity of perspectives. There's a diversity of knowledge base that we need to take advantage of. And so kind of getting everybody to steal a, a cliche phrase, but think, think outside the box and say, hey, there are, there are different ways to get at um, some of these um, areas that we haven't always been good about recruiting from. Um, one of the um, we've been able to take advantage of some programs um, focused on what we call the Centers for Academic Excellence, where we focus on um, um, historically black colleges and universities, as well as some um, universities from other underserved and rural areas to expand our outreach beyond the Beltway, expand our outreach beyond um, your traditional poli-sci major. There's a lot of really creative thinking that goes into a broad array of the ICs functions and operations, and um, and we want to take advantage of all of that. So um, the, uh, the ODNI kind of giving that strategic vision to the community to say, here are some of the areas we want to focus on. 
as also as part of our right, right trusted agile workforce initiative, we can't maintain a workforce that doesn't um, that, that doesn't look like the company, the country that we represent. So we are we are making sure that we are making the investments in the right place to re- recruit, retain, and um, and kind of woo some of that talent away from places that can oftentimes pay a little bit more or um, have a little bit more balance. But um, it's hard to fight with um, the the uh, magnet that is the IC's mission. Yeah. Once you get inside, it's it's amazing. Speaking of the mission, um, that needs to be funded. Did, mm-hmm. did I see that you released your budget or you will be at some point soon? Yes, we, um, by law, we're required to release our um, top line budget uh, figure. So we, we did so, I believe it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would, that would be, um, today is the 12th of February. That would have been the 11th of February. So what are the main components? What are the most important elements um, of that budget um, mm-hmm. that you can share? Just briefly. Um, that's a good, <laughs> it's a good question because um, even the number itself was classified until not too long ago. So in that overall $61.9 billion, I believe it is, number that uh, was released, um, that includes all of the capabilities that um, the, the National Intelligence Program, which is the um, outside of the military's area, the National Intelligence Program brings to bear on a lot of these issues, right? So the $61.9 billion encompasses all that we bring to bear on all the targets and all the threats that we've laid out before and that the DNI will lay out um, in his threat assessment as well. Um, that is our our letting the people know what their money is, mm-hmm. um, how much of their money is being spent on these things um, is important to us. And that's one of those commitments to transparency is letting the, the American people know just how much um, we're spending. But what I will say is, while I can't really get into the details, I would say... Um, there is some pretty, pretty incredible bang for the buck for the American people. Um, that's something that, um, as someone who defended budgets on the Hill for many years on behalf of the IC, um, that was always one of my proudest things is to say we're, we're doing things and we're doing them, um, and it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Great. So one follow-up on that. Is there a, anything new or a new program or something that stands out? Um, that's new because usually most most budgets most programs usually introduce new elements and always I think try to increase their budgets um, for obvious and necessary reasons is there something uh, new that stands out not that I can share here but I think the um, the investments that we're making here are um, they align with our the key threats and targets that we're focused that we're focused on the big so I four leave it there the big more. four, um, yeah, things around um, protecting elections and mm. um, and and such. So okay. I'd leave it there. Okay, so great. Um, a couple more things, and then I'll ask you a couple things from which what's on your mind. I mm-hmm. spoke to uh, the elections threat election threats executive Shelby uh, Pearson um, here actually, and um, was at the um, unveiling of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. Uh, strategy a couple days ago, mm-hmm. I think on the 10th, uh, with uh, Mr. Evanina. And it was very clear from both of them that the public plays a big role, yep. in an increasing role. And, and I want to say an unprecedented role, but I can't say that because I wasn't alive during World War II <laughs> and all of I. that. So, <laughs> But I get the sense mm-hmm. that the intelligence community 
is really trying to make a strong point to the average American citizen, to all American citizens that, hey, we're out here, we're doing a lot of things, but we need more from you. Um, I think that's I think that's right. I think we our engagement with the public and making sure they understand um, the reality of the threats that we face is part of our responsibility in keeping them safe is to make sure um, we're we are upfront about what we can and should be um, share things that we can engage on. Um, we've we've leaned forward in a lot of our engagement in areas uh, like cyber, making sure people are aware of, um, or, or even some companies are aware of some of the challenges that they're under. Um, we've, we've been trying to make sure that the American people understand um, just how diverse the threat picture is. And that's why, that's part of the reason why you would need a, um, an investment like what they're making um, in what we do. The, the threat picture gets broader and more diverse every day. Technology changes every day. There are new things that crop up that um, that even we couldn't see coming, and um, that's that's important to us is to make sure that we um, we give the American people the tools to keep themselves safe as best we can. Um, one of the things that comes to mind is um, you mentioned as NCSC they had a um, a campaign about uh, know your threat, raise your shield, which is just little things about keeping yourself safe and your technology and, and just knowing the vulnerabilities of, of when you sign up for that app or when you connect to that Wi-Fi hotspot. I mean, we all see it on the news and everything, but sometimes it, it carries a little bit of, carries a little bit more oomph when it comes from um, those who are working on it every day. So we feel like that's part of our responsibility is to make sure people know that we're tracking these things too and, and to just give them a heads up. That's great. That's excellent. Um, so I've been asking all the questions and doing most of the talking, even though you've done the most interesting talking. Mm -hmm. But I'll ask you this. Are there things that I haven't asked you about that you think are important that we should discuss before you go? One of the things I'm proudest of is kind of where we've come. Um, the OD and I started as um, it was a result of legislation that um, I think on, a, on its best day would be referenced as compromise legislation. And as much legis as most legislation is, um, and it was left for us to kind of grapple with a lot of the challenging implementation and how we do what we do. And I think what we've built in its very lean and um, focused um, engagements with the community um, is a real, there's a, um, there's a value there that I want to make sure that the American people understand. Um, they're not going to make a movie about the ODNI. There won't be a really cool Amazon series about anybody um, at the ODNI because I think um, some of what we do is just that fundamental um, you know I was um, I was a basketball player right so you got a defense and rebounding not we're not draining we're not going to be the ones who are draining threes and 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 slamming slam dunks but we're really going to be doing the, uh, the the rebounding and the defense to make sure that the community can do its its work best and so mm -hmm. What we're at our best when the community, when we're leveraging what they bring to all these hard problems. And I think I'm really proud of where we've come from, which was kind of a challenging stand up to really getting our feet underneath us to now focusing on the future and saying, what is it that we can do that helps the community? How can we bring our agencies together to say, give us a hard problem and let us help you think through it and solve it once and for all? Mm -hmm. um, that sounds a little Pollyanna sometimes, but I think 
that's uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is being part of the ODNI. Well, you know, um, as, as someone who played sports in college as well, one of the things that I was told all the time is the defense wins championships. Right. And I know just based on the years that I've been covering your space that defense figures prominently into everything that the intelligence community does on mm-hmm. you know, on one level or another. So I'm assuming that right now defense is just as important as, as it's ever been. Absolutely. Absolutely. Then given what the nation is facing, you know, defense is, is it's your it's the coin of the realm. It's exactly what you need to um, it's it's what you need to succeed. So that's what we're um, that's what our focus is on is um, getting things right so we can um, let our agencies get after those hard targets. Is there a message you'd like to leave with the American people or at least our listeners? I think um, being part of the intelligence community is one of the greatest um, places to not only have and build a career, but to um, serve your nation in um, some really fun and creative ways. The IC is open for business and we're hiring. Um, There's multiple ways to find um, opportunities in the IC. Um, It's not easy to get um, to to kind of get inside our walls and that's okay. It's for a reason. You got to kind of go through that clearance process and whatnot. But um, once you navigate that, um, you're going to find a career that is indescribable in the ways that it can bring value to the national security mission where you can build yourself as a professional. You can try really amazing things and um, and be part of um, the world's best team. Well, Deirdre Walsh, um, this has been fantastic. And your story as chief operating officer of the Office of the Director of National Intelligence tells a story on so many levels that so many people can identify with. It is really really uh, a great pleasure to have been a part of this because people don't talk now. People are afraid to talk. People, for different reasons, are shying away from discussing anything that has to do with intelligence. But the fact that you're able to come and to sit and share for half an hour, we, we greatly appreciate that. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That was Deidre Walsh, Chief Operating Officer in the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. She's one of a number of young women rising stars in the intelligence community, a symbol of how the community is repositioning itself to meet the demands and challenges it faces. Coming up in our next episode. The issues on our critical infrastructure are lights going out on the Northeast quarter of the United States, uh, some impact to our gas pipelines, uh, our telecommunications systems going down. If our telecommunications systems go down or they're compromised, that inf- affects almost everything we have in this country, the way we move data, money, movement. You've heard him on this program before. His name is Bill Evanina. He's the director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. And he's back, this time with a brand new counterintelligence strategy. And it's more important than it's ever been in history. That's coming up on our next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions about our program, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green. One word at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And be sure to subscribe. 
Also, if you're interested in even more international and national security news, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff. You can sign up at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. The Adam Carolla Show is the number one daily downloaded podcast in the world, and you have got to check it out. Catch up with some of Adam's latest interviews featuring James Carville, Paulie Shore, and Rob Hubel. Adam's bringing you his daily rants and antics and musings with a side of comedy. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Podcast One, Apple Podcast, and many other podcast apps so you can get new episodes every week. As we told you recently, we are so excited that Target USA is now available to stream free on Spotify. If you haven't tried listening yet, it's free to download and use Spotify on any device. It's a great listening experience, and you can go straight from listening to your favorite music right over to our podcast on the same app. Just search for our show on Spotify and start listening free. And remember, it's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.